Alrighty, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu anasalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, may peace be upon him. So continuing our exploration of, of Surah 2, we were yesterday discussing free will and predestination and let's add some more to the discussion. Yesterday we did some of the hair splitting and one key point to think about is the distinction between the whoops, the subjective perspective, which would be the POV point of view, versus objective reality. And so if it is possible to have the Allah POV, you know, from the lens of, of Allah, and putting that in quotes because uh, uh, it's sort of trying to get, comprehend what that means then in his free will, uh, he has pre-written everything. Okay. But then looking at my POV, my point of view, I have free will. But all else is pre-written. And then at the same time, your point of view you have free will. But all else is pre-written. Okay. So, from a practical perspective, <clears throat> the only thing that matters, or the primary thing that matters, is that I have free will. That's the primary thing that matters, meaning I have choices that I make and I'm responsible for the choices that I make. But then what becomes the benefit of, of free will, and likewise, what are other practical issues related to free will? So, so in terms of my free will, better term would be my choices. Okay. 
because there are some things I don't have a choice over. So what are some things, and feel free to, to type or to speak, prefer speak, uh, what are some things over if, regarding you, your life, where you do not have a choice, where it's already pre-written? Your family, the family you're born in. Okay, yeah. So a big one is birth. So, so when we get into even like, for example, the philosophy of John Rawls, which we're not going to do in this class, you know, one of the things that he argues is, is that no one has control over their birth. And statistically speaking, if I'm born in this family, I'm probably going to have this type of lifestyle. If I'm born in this family, I'm going to have a different lifestyle, right? And so I have no choice over when I'm born, who are my parents, what are my situations, and then Simone says, you're deaf. So, so you're deaf, essentially, uh, the place I'm going to die and when I'm going to die, that's set. And so anything I do to try to make it happen faster, inshallah not, um, will not make it faster. Anything I try to do to delay it will, will not delay it. And so other things related to, to uh, look at some things people have posted. So your risk. So we're going to include your risk here. Okay. So your risk, which we've discussed, is your sustenance. And I'm going to put that in parentheses because that opens up all kinds of other philosophical discussions. Like, okay, what if I don't go looking for it, this and that, but that is true. Good. And then dominion, your points, I'm going to connect them with death and with birth, everything that goes along with birth. So yeah, what race I'm, I'm of is, is, is not in my choice. Then by extension, my ethnicity, when I'm born, all of that is outside my choice. All of that I'm going to put uh, as part of, of, of birth. But these are the big ones. And what else do I have no choice on? Other people's hearts. I may have <clears throat> the power to coerce you to do things, you know, like a parent and a child, okay, go to sleep, uh, or if, uh, if you don't get eat your, your dinner, you're not going to get any dessert, right? And the child starts negotiating, well, why can't I have the dessert first? If you give me the dessert first, I'll eat, the, I'll eat my dinner then, you know, all kinds of things. But the point is that you might be able to even go so far as to control someone's body. You might be able to influence their thinking. You might be able to influence their heart, but you cannot control other people's hearts. Right, so the point I'm making is that there are some things I have no control over. We might even go so far as to say that, all right, I don't have the ability to fly on my own, right? I'm sitting here in my chair, I can't, you know, start flying, you know, maybe if I'm some super advanced Sufi, I can do that. But aside from that, most people can't start doing other things like that. There are also all sorts of uh, limitations related to physics. So the point is that even my free will, there are some limits on my free will. In most moments that you're in, including the moment that we're in, Chicago time, whatever this is, 3308, you probably have, give or take, five choices. 
you know, I can get up, I can leave, I can walk, I can, I can turn off my camera. You know, a small list of choices at any, any, any given moment. Okay. Now, <laughs> part of your risk, uh, uh, or in fact, let's first talk about part, uh, part one. Okay, so from a societal perspective, Most societies are going to lean more towards one or the other. So again, in terms of free will, which I'm making synonymous with choice versus predestination, which is sort of synonymous with fate, okay. most societies are going to lean more towards one or the other. So for example, or more, most subpopulations, if we go to the Indian subcontinent, a lot of people still have the outlook of kismet. Okay, so this is written for me, my kismet is bad, my kismet is good, right? And so I'm suffering because it is my fate. Okay. I'm suffering because it's, it's, uh, it's written for me. And then what happens <laughs> is that a whole theology is created around it. So those ayahs, those hadith that fit that outlook, then get emphasized. So if Allah loves you, he's going to cause you suffering. Oh, you're suffering, therefore Allah loves you, so just keep suffering. But make sure you pay your taxes. Right. And so, so the point is that it becomes the responsibility of the preachers, teachers, scholars... to bring people back towards the middle. And what is the center? The center is when both free will and predestination are present. So for example, think about, about these protests that are happening throughout the United States about all these people who uh, who are going to, for example, the, the state capitol buildings in Michigan and elsewhere. They were in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, uh, demanding to reopen. And, and it would be one thing, and I think we've discussed this in this class before, it would be one thing if their protest was, okay, government, you're telling us to stay home, which means we can't earn income, which means we can't put food on the table, so you better do something to help us out. Okay? But that's not the protest is. The protest is, you know, it is a violation of my of my right for um, that you're keeping me at home. And then to add to, you know, for lack of a better word, the stupidity that you have all these people who are not wearing masks and not social distancing. Yeah. And what is taking place there? The view that I have almost nearly a divine right to live whatever way I want. So in the same way that in some populations of the world, people are are being held down because of fate. What we also have in other populations of the world is people believe that the world must succumb to their free will, yeah. not the other way around. And so likewise, in the same way that if I'm a scholar, teacher, preacher in the subcontinent, I have to preach to people, yeah, there are some aspects of your life that, that are written, but you also have responsibilities regarding your condition or you have responsibilities regarding other people's conditions. Yeah. And then over here, the, the scholar, teacher, preacher for those protesters 
would be arguing that, yeah, you have some amount of free will, but not if it's coming at the cost of, of everyone else's life, and you're not going to be able to stop the virus coming from you if that's written for you. And so, so at one practical perspective, a society is going to be leaning more towards one or the other, and it becomes the responsibility to bring people back to the center to help figure out what is your responsibility to act on and what are things that are outside of your control. Because oppression, when it's going one or the other, that's basically a sign of oppression in a society. Because all those people that are protesting, they're listening to someone who's telling them to protest. And that's the person who's taking advantage of them. So, so that's at the collective level, but what about at the individual level? We're going to go to Surah 57, Surah Al-Hadid. This is around Ayahs 19 to 22, somewhere around there. Okay. Okay, so I won't go through, through the Arabic. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of the preliminary eyes just to give us some sense of a feel of what's being talked about. Allah Ta'ala is telling us, know that the life of this world is just an amusement and a diversion and an adornment, as well as boasting to one another and competition and increase of wealth and children. Okay. That I think we understand. And sometimes it's very easy to fall into life just to make it a competition. Like the example of a rain whose resulting plant, gro plant growth pleases the tillers, then it dries and you see it turn yellow. Then it becomes debris. So what is the other part of life? Okay, you're, one part is you're caught up in competition and rivalry. And then what's the deeper reality of life? It's all going to wither away and become dust. Too. And the hereafter is severe, is severe punishment and forgiveness from Allah and approval. What is the worldly life except an enjoyment of delusion? And then we're being prescribed race towards forgiveness from your Lord and a garden whose width is like the width of the heavens and the earth prepared for those who believed in Allah and his messenger. That is the bounty of Allah, which he gives to whom he wills. Allah is the possessor of great bounty. Okay. Now, no disaster strikes upon the earth or amongst yourselves, except that it is in a register before we bring it into being. Good. Meaning no struggle hits you except that it is pre-written. So we talked about rizq being pre-written, your sustenance is, is pre-written, so are struggles pre-written. Okay. When you're hit with a struggle in your life, there is nothing you could have done to avoid that struggle. Okay. And in order, why? Why is this a lesson to us? So you don't despair over what you have lost. So you do not despair over what has eluded you. And your risk, your wealth is also pre-written. And so you don't boast in pride over what Allah has given you. Allah does not like everyone who is self-deluded and boastful. And then going further, who are stingy and enjoined upon people's stinginess. All right. So, so what we're saying here. is that 
also what is pre-written. And now we're making this very practical. My struggles and my eases are pre-written. Which then should result in what? By regarding it as pre-written, this is to help me cope. So you have a loved one who, who has passed away and you find yourself thinking, okay, if only I did this, if only I did this, if only I did that. And no, it was written for them to be passed away. It was written for them to die when they die. Okay. Uh, likewise, to keep me humble. And so, so I get this job or I live in a certain social class. Okay, I can't think to myself, okay, those people, they're in a lower social class just because they're lazy. Okay. Right. Or because they're not working. And so one of the practical purposes of things being pre-written is to help me cope with the struggles of life. That there are things that are beyond my control. Even if it seemed like at the time it was in my control, what's the past now? Everything is as far as it matters is pre-written. That if I'm living here in the moment, then what has led me to that point, it's pre-written. I have to work with what I have now looking towards the future. And then likewise with my eases. And so the ease example would be, uh, <clears throat> suppose four people with identical resumes are applying for the exact same job. And it is, and they're all submitting their applications exactly at the same time. One of those people is going to get a job to the point that it almost seems arbitrary, which everyone happens to catch the employer's uh, eye at the perfect way. Okay. Pre-written. And also, if you, if you look at people who are, who are ultra successful from a worldly perspective, every single one of those people will have lucky breaks in their lives. And often it starts with, you know, what family are they born into? Now, this is also not an excuse for me to say I have no control over everything. We've already addressed that. Uh, but the point is that one of the most practical purposes of the, the free will predestination discussion is to figure out, okay, what things are beyond my control. And from those to help me cope or to keep me humble, depending upon how, uh, if it's ease or, or struggle. And then likewise, in the reverse, what are things under my control then become my responsibility? Okay, makes sense. And let me know if anyone has any questions about, uh, about all this. And I think, uh, yeah, the chat box is open. Feel free to, to speak or share anything. We see, we're gonna get into the next section in just a moment, but um, I'm going to open the floor for any questions, either regarding coffers or free will and predestination. Um, so, uh, Omar, so then yeah. our choices, right, whether or not they actually led to our eases or our struggles, are then also pre-written then, right? If we're looking from the Allah perspective, yeah. If we're looking from my perspective, no. So, 
So if so that Allah Ta'ala in his free will, he is writing everything. Yeah. From my perspective, that becomes sort of irrelevant. Because I'm the one who's making my choices. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, inshallah. Any other questions? Okay, how would that go along? Okay, so so essentially, so so uh, Sahadi is quoting, uh, I believe, straight from from uh, from the ayah, and so so the point is that the struggles that I'm hit with, uh, uh, so either it's coming from disaster or it's coming from within me. So imagine you have two people who are smoking their whole lives. One person gets emphysema, the other person does not. And so, so the person was smoking and we can identify a cause and effect, but we can't identify why did this person get it? Why did that person not get it? Uh, let me know if that makes sense, inshallah. And so it was Allah's will for the first person to get the sickness, but not for the second person. Or even take it further, suppose you have a person who's smoking and, you know, um, and they, uh, it does not affect their health as much, but affects their child, you know, who's been getting all the secondhand smoke. So um, I kind of view it maybe a little differently. Um, so I feel that what's predestined to us is just the consequence that of the choices we made that God already understands the consequence Mm -hmm. of the, the, so we call it predestined, but God knows what, what uh, choices there are based on the choices we've made. Mm -hmm. So therefore he's, he already understands the consequence, no matter what choice we make. Okay. So far so good. Now, what yeah. if we add one element that he chooses the consequence? Well, that's his will. <laughs> that's his will. I mean, yeah. I, uh, because I believe that you have to go back and ponder what could I have done. I know you can't be, I'm, I'm of the person that owns it. Like, I'm not one to say, well... It's God's will, and that's it. I do go back and ponder the choices that I've made and think, oh, if I did that, how else are you going to learn? Mm-hmm. You know? So you have to, like, think um, about the choices you made. Like um, I, Malika said, you do have to think about that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I don't I'm, – I'm not somebody that's like um, – you know, talk on Allah all the time because I know that God, if God wills it, he wills it. But it's not up to God all the time. Like he's leaving it for us to make those choices. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, the key but, thing, if all you get out of this is that you have choices and responsibility, then, then that's the core. Yeah, absolutely. And naturally, you will look at your own past choices or you look at other people's choices to learn, no doubt. Yeah. That we'll see a little bit of that when we get into course number two. That one of the points of the lessons of previous generations is for later generations to learn from them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dominion is reconciliation between God's mercy and justice the same as predestination and free will. Uh, that is, predestination and free will is reconciled through perspective. 
Can the same be done to reconcile mercy and justice? Atheists would argue against the existence of God by pointing out to uh, pointing out attributes to that uh, conflict. Uh, Jimena, if I can ask you to to explain your 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 question further, because uh, tentatively I don't find myself agreeing, but it may be that I'm misunderstanding your question. Yeah, no problem. Um, so the reconciliation of predestination and free will is to look at it from perspective, right? So from yeah. the, from the perspective of God you have um, predestination all the way through. From mm -hmm. our perspective, there is free will, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, predestination and free will are therefore reconciled. Uh, okay, so when looking at God's attributes, right, justice and mercy, can it be reconciled by using perspective? That is, from our perspective, there, um, there is, there, I guess there is mercy and but from God's perspective, there's just justice. I'm just trying to see how the move of perspective would work with mm -hmm. those attributes. So if we think of all the various attributes of Allah, uh -huh. whether we're speaking about most merciful, eternally merciful, just, mm -hmm. the one who uh, uh, um, uh, gives value, the appraiser, the one who elevates, the one who, uh, the one who debases, all of those can, uh, from our perspective, uh, be looked at through the lens of point of view. So for example, I might look at, you know, today's sunshine and it's getting warm again in Chicago as an act of mercy. Mm -hmm. And the person next to me might see it as an act of justice. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Same action, same creator, same, per same two people or two twins that are sitting next to each other. And, and so think of the attributes of a law as ways for me to try to comprehend Allah's relationship with me, my relationship with him. Okay. And, and so I would say to some degree, yeah. Okay. Um, if we apply that to all the different attributes of Allah. Okay. And um, is it, is it the case that, uh, that God has infinite attributes and we can only know a few due to our limited reasoning? So I'm going to say yes, but I'm just going to modify your words. I'm going to say okay. that he is not limited uh, in terms of attributes. Okay. And, and we are, however, limited in terms of perception. Yeah, okay. Which is, I think, Omar. a semantic difference, but yeah, same thing you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ruby. Are you the only one that has a house phone still? <laughs> you, know, you know how many people say this during these meetings? Yeah. These classes? You're wasting your money. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. Oh, that's Everywhere idea. else is got no one's got it anymore. I just I'm teasing. I have a house phone. You have a house phone, somewhere? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe there's some self holiday connection to, to that. Yeah. Landlines yeah. are more reliable than handheld phones, actually. They yes, use them for they landlines. Right. More private uh, too. Yes. And we can line that up with being pre-written or predestined. Anyway, anyway, okay. Cool. Any other questions about free will predestination or the kufar? No other questions? All right, let us get into, and feel free if you have questions later on to, to bring them up. Let's get into the third model of, of belief and rejection. So we've talked about the people of Taqwa, and then we've talked about the Kafirs. Now let us talk about the Monophics. So from Ayaz, uh, Surah 2, uh, sorry, Surah 2, Ayahs 8 through 16, we talk about Nifaq. 
So nifaq is essentially hypocrisy. And again, some, some basic terminology, the linguistic meaning, the linguistics of nifaq is that it's related to the idea of a tunnel. One of the words for tunnel in Arabic, nafaq. And what is it that makes a tunnel a tunnel? Anybody? Versus, let's say, you know, any other road. It's a really, really easy question that some of you will probably try to make more complicated. Oh, it goes through a structure and it is enclosed. Okay. And what else? What's the difference between a tunnel and a cave? There's two openings. Well, yeah, there's two openings. That's, that's one of the key points. And so, for example, there's a, a lizard that lives in the desert that lives in a tunnel underground. What would be the wisdom uh, behind living in a tunnel if you're a lizard? What do you all think? Uh, lizards are cold-blooded creatures that need to get heat, so they have two exits to get that heat. I'm not okay. okay, closer. Um, so, so, uh, so, Sheikh Omar escape predators. Yeah, Rashidi to, for protection. And so the idea is that if a predator comes in through one end, you escape out through the other. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a dead lizard. Okay, that's that's why you take the class. Okay, nice, mashallah. So, so the basic point here is we're getting a sense of how does a hypocrite operate. And so, so again, basic terminology, uh, nifaq is the condition of, of hypocrisy. A hypocrite is a munafiq. Okay. And then again, Basic plurals, this is basic Arabic, Munafiqun would be the plural. Okay. <clears throat> Another part of the etymology of, of the, the term nifaq uh, relates to a fort. And if an army is coming in from one end, you keep a back door. To, to escape through. So if you remember, uh, I think it was both the second and third Lord of the Rings movies, you have those those orcs or whatever they were coming to the attack, and then all, all the helpless white people, they had this <laughs> way to is, uh, uh, escape through this hidden hole, that uh, this back door. Actually, I think that was in the second movie. The third movie is when the Eagles came along and, and saved the day. Anyway, so so this is this is hypocrisy. Now, the caution against hypocrisy is not to use this material for me to point fingers at someone else. That is not excluded, but especially for me to look at myself, just like that line when you point fingers at someone, three fingers are pointing back at you. But there are two types of hypocrites. So, I won't give, I mean, I won't write the Arabic terms, but one is nifaq fil aqidah, the other one is nifaq fil amal. So one is by intention, and the other one is consequence of action. So almost intentional and unintentional. So the intentional hypocrite is an intentional fake. So at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, there were people who were becoming Muslim with the intention 
of leaving. And so the strategy was, let's be Muslim for a while, let's be Muslim for a week. And then after, after that, let's leave and just tell everyone, yeah, this is a nice message, but don't change your religion. You don't need to do that. Why would someone have that intention? What would be their goal or goals? Often it is to preserve the status quo, it is to subvert the movement. So in our modern era, that would be sort of like an FBI informant or a mole. So we got a running joke in terms of the mosques in Chicago that, all right, if someone comes in, starts preaching radical ideas, that's probably the person who works for the FBI, yeah, right? Okay, see, this is a person who is willfully, consciously fake. The one we have to be more concerned about is the second one. This could be any of us. And so there's many narrations in the Quran about hypocrisy. There's many hadith uh, about, about hypocrisy. So, so one, one narration speaks of four behaviors. So this, I'm calling this an example. This is not all of it. Uh, four behaviors of a hypocrite and how many of these will indicate what percentage of a hypocrite I am. So when they speak, they lie. Okay. When they make uh, commitments, they consistently break their commitments. Yeah, sure, I'll see you tomorrow. And then you don't show up and then that just becomes your normal behavior. You know, I have a student who has been my student for quite some time, who's a very, very good student, mashallah, and does all kinds of wonderful things. But one thing that's consistent about this student is that if that student says, I will call you tomorrow, it's a guarantee he will call me any day except for tomorrow. Okay. Like it's just known. Uh, they also betray their trust. If you give them a secret, uh, they will share it with other people. Okay. Again, the tendency is going to be just like the example I gave of a student. The tendency is going to point out, yeah, here's a person who does this, here's a person who does that. Try your best not to fall into that trap uh, because it allows us to forget whatever it is that we're doing wrong. And then the fourth is that when they start getting emotional, they lose control of their emotions. So if they get angry, they lose control of their anger. Okay, as opposed to, you know, they're getting really angry and then someone calls them out and then suddenly they're 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 back to they're back to normal. Uh, or if they're sad, they lose complete control. Okay. Or if they're laughing. So this is one example of of teachings about about uh, hypocrites. What we will have in this section, we're going to have essentially four. Narrations, uh, I is eight through 10, 11 through 12, 13, and then 14 and 15. And then we're gonna have an IS 16 summary. And the first one, cause what time is it right now? Oh, we're, we're getting over time, but Let's touch on it briefly. The first one is going to be about lying. Okay. Is that how you spell lying? No, that's not how you spell lying. You know, I used to be the type of the student that was in um, 
spelling bees. Okay, lying. Okay, thank you for, for the correction. All right. <clears throat> and then, in fact, we'll save to, we'll save, uh, uh, we'll let you figure out what, what these are as we get to them piece by piece. And then what we're also going to do is look for what are common elements among all of these. And another aspect of what we'll need to do is to talk about these references that we're going to see to the heart. How does the heart fit into all this? So we even we, we touched on the idea in Surah 6 and 7, we're talking about the coffers that their hearts have a covering over them. So we're also going to make sense of, okay, how does the heart fit into this whole, this whole outlook? But the key point to take for now, like I said, is that number one, there's two types of hypocrites. And, and yeah, Islam in America, you will probably run into these more than you might realize, but the real concern for you and I is how many of these passages describe me? Okay, <clears throat> we'll stop right here. I'll open the floor up for, for, for uh, any other questions about anything at all, whether it's about hypocrites so far or coffers or anything completely unrelated. Omar, are the four behaviors, um, uh, are those, uh, is that a quote from the prophet or is that from the Quran? So this is, this is a hadith attributed to the prophet, peace be upon him. In one narration, only three of these are mentioned. Another narration, all four of these are mentioned. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, the Quran itself lists about three dozen attributes of hypocrisy. Mm. Yeah. We're going to go through four of them. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for that, because that also reminds me, uh, relate to this, what is treatment? Because as we're going to see, hypocrisy is defined here as a disease of the heart. Okay, any other questions about anything at all? Nothing? All righty. Uh, Dominion, go for it. Oh, um, so I, I mean, we've spoke before about Ibn Arabi. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's the, that's the guy that my roommate relies on. Uh, yeah, you, are, you already explained so much. Yeah. <laughs> Arabi is so advanced. Uh, <laughs> That if you have someone who's getting into free will predestination discussions, then no disrespect to your roommate or the people, yeah, yeah. his friends, but yeah, probably doesn't know what he's talking about. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, you know, he calls me, he calls me a polytheist. Anyway, um, I, I was, <laughs> I was, I was trying to understand, so I was trying to understand his perspective, what, uh, what he takes from Ibn Arabi um, and grant him all of the errors, please. Um, what he takes from it is that we are, that we do not exist, actually, right? Mm -hmm. We are we are thought, thoughts in God's mind, and um, and only God exists, right? So this mm -hmm. is so okay. So from there, I, I mean, I thought about this a little bit, and I think that. Do you mean we in general, or we Islam? All of creation. Okay. Okay. I, I was following, trying to follow you. Okay. Yeah. 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 No problem. Um, yeah, all of creation is just thoughts in God's mind. Uh, mm -hmm. This is what I'm getting from him. Because he says, God is the only being that exists, okay? Mm -hmm. um, two, we do not exist, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, anytime, he, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of replies to it already. But anyway, I thought of, I, 
I thought of this for a while and I and let me let me know if this is true or not but isn't it the case that if he maintained this position about God if this is the era of if this is the erroneous reading of Ibn Arabi if he maintains this position doesn't that remove one of the primary attributes of God that is God is a creator mm. um, and in and in this in this position if you're only having thoughts you're not actually creating you're just thinking okay. that and and i would say that the implication of that is we also have thoughts and that puts us on a level of god as well right okay okay, okay this is your question uh yeah there was no question mark after okay. that but yeah okay so so to help make uh, to help understand this in terms of what little i understand of ibn arabi sure. uh replace the word exists with matters matters okay. we're saying compared to allah we uh -huh. do not have any we don't matter okay yeah yeah sure right? everything else becomes easy to, to understand from that perspective mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so so my value mm -hmm. is entirely determined by allah mm -hmm. right right uh, but if it were somehow possible to compare my value to allah's value uh zero would not even be appropriate for my value <laughs> I, right. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I'm saying change the word exist to matter. So when we're saying I do not matter, you know, in comparison to Allah, right. uh, we would have to add except, you know, what Allah Ta'ala decides for me as, as value. Okay. Yeah. And so that becomes the link between the word exists. Mm. Okay. Uh, regarding creation. Uh, so, so this is, this is essentially textbook Sunni, textbook Shia thought is that Allah is creator, even if he has not created anything. All right. Help me understand that. Because if we say he's only a creator, if he's created something, then we're saying that attribute is dependent. Uh, All right. And uh, God is a being that don't depend on anything. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so if he's determining he is khaliq, he's creator, then he is creator, even if nothing has been created. Yeah, give it time. So here, here is another way to think about this: is that these attributes that we have of Allah, we try to understand them according to our capacity, but the real meaning of them is whatever Allah determines. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you, so you and I. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay. So, so, so you and I are understanding Creator a particular way. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. actual meaning of creator is whatever Allah determines it to be. And so he's saying he's creator. He's not saying he's creator if he has created something. Okay, so then it sounds, okay, let me know if this is a bit accurate. It yeah. sounds like what, what, what we take to mean creator is the act of creating something into existence, say, right? Meaning um, that if someone has made something, then yeah. we might say creator. Yeah. And that applies yeah. in terms of our worldly sense, sure. Right, 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 right. Um, where, where is God? I mean, I've been, reading the, I've been reading a book called Concepts of God by uh, this guy named H.G. H. Owens. Um, and he talks about creation, right? And the act of creation is uh, in itself mysterious. Um, well, I remember uh, you said in the last session that God does not, God is unbounded, right? He's not limited by anything. But in this, Owens is affirming, he's trying to maintain um, God's infinitude uh, by not putting God in time, right? 
So if he does that, he cannot say, well, God creates because that will put God in time because the act of creating, depending upon our common day, uh, common uh, definition of creation, mm -hmm. the act of creating presumes time, right? Mm -hmm. So he makes the move to say that, well, creation is a mystery, mm -hmm. right? But I, so, I guess that's not needed here. Yeah, because uh, what we're also going to see is that uh, when we get to around I-26 and 27, we're going to discuss this meeting we had with Allah before time. We had a meeting with God before time? Yeah, this is going to be much more fun, inshallah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to prolong the conversation. I know you want yeah, to go for it. Sure, sure. But I'm interested, Dominion, right? Is that your name? Yes. I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm the same thing. <laughs> I feel like we do this right now, we're philosophizing, uh, you know, we're all trying to, you know, make sense of it. But what people tend, and I always tell my kids too, because they come home and my kids are like, you know, they're like, we're in Alabama. Mm -hmm. We live in Alabama. And did I freeze every, or did someone else freeze? Huh? Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear you. <laughs> so uh, they're all, you know, church-going folk down here. Yeah. Big time, you know. Right. And it's okay. It's no problem. But we're very much the minority. And so they always come back home and they say things about, you're, all, you know, you believe in Allah. Like I always had to, you know, I always have, just like everybody else has to explain mm -hmm. what Allah is, just Arabic for God, you know, just things like that. Mm -hmm. so I always like, so they come home and they try to rationalize constantly. And I always try to tell them, you know, everyone has, everyone, Muslim, Christian, atheists, everybody has to remember that God is almighty, okay, mm -hmm. and we're human, mm -hmm. and we tend to try to humanize God, you know, so every time we're trying to uh, bring them down to our level, and sure. we're not, I mean, that's the whole thing to me about Islam, he's greater than that, right, yeah, so everybody tends, you can sit there and argue, but yeah, the reality for us, I mean, maybe not for other people, but for us is that he's almighty right. and um, un, uh, untouchable for a lack of a better term. You know, we can't, we can't equate to him. And that's what I think sometimes gets lost in the conversation. That's all. So I like, I like, I'm, I, I like no. what you've been saying. I like yeah, yeah. what you've been saying, actually. Uh -huh. And I'm starving I, um, for con conversations like this because nobody likes to talk anything but you know yeah no uh what you're saying is true um i i i mean i just finished my undergraduate and i got a philosophy degree and um no surprise I, here. <laughs> <laughs> good for you good for you yeah thank you um and uh my 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 last course was a class teaching modern philosophy and one of the modern philosophers is emmanuel kant i didn't get to read all of his material but something that, well, what was taught to us or was instructed to us was Immanuel Kant's division of reality. That is that you have the noumena and pneuma. I believe that's, those are the terms. Basically, you have reality as it is that we do not, do not have access to versus real, reality as it appears to us that we do have access to, right? Um, philosophy, especially meta, meta, metaphysics, is that reality that we just, well, Kant was making this move. We do not have access to that. Right. So whenever we try to reach towards it, our limits have bounds. 
or our reasons have bounds. So I'm becoming, I'm more and more becoming partial to my own composition. Um, and I found it pretty interesting that uh, the session that I came into in your course, uh, Mazafer, um, I, or unless it was the one, the link you sent me of earlier course, divide or yeah, it divided, um, there was a difference between the unseen and the seen, right? Both history is unseen, mm -hmm. um, jinn unseen, things, a lot of things are unseen, right? That might also be, well, I think that is also true metaphysics, like right? so what is the nature of reality? Um, so I, I, before being in, being a young philosopher thinking like, yes, reason can determine everything, um, I was quickly humbled, right? Toward the end of my, toward the end of my undergrad. And, um, yeah, so essentially all of this is to say, yeah, I agree with you, right? <laughs> okay, very good. Well, I'm glad you, you both can find some space for these conversations. Yes. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? Actually, Ruby, I missed much of what you were saying because my internet crashed, but I think- uh, It was really was, good. You should have I'm heard. Sure, I'm sure it was profound. Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, another thing too um, is that I equate everything in the Quran and Islam is always seems to be always scientifically proven. Mm -hmm. It always seems to be scientific. No I'm a big science person. Yeah. I'm a big sci huh? We'll, we'll have fun with that as well, inshallah. But I was just going to say one thing, just remind people that it's scientifically proven that we only use 10% of our brain. I think that's actually a myth, not to, not to ruin your... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I heard the same. Yeah, it's I don't not know that, that really. I thought that, um, okay, I'll go find where I read my article and I'll bring it. Yeah, bring it. Sorry. Thank you. Absolutely, Chella. Anyone else? Any other questions, thoughts, reflections? All righty. We will stop right here then, inshallah. And we will continue with hypocrisy for, for, for the next few classes, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma glory to you, O Allah, wa bihamdika praise and gratitude to you Nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta we bear witness there is no God but you nastaghfiruka we seek your forgiveness wa natubu ilayk and we turn to you Right, may Allah tell the word you all, inshallah Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah